Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Maim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Abrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you, Father. I pray that you will move mightily and powerfully as we open up your word today, that you will speak boldly into our hearts and our lives, that you will breathe new life into us, that as we leave this place, we will leave here recognizing that you are in our midst, that everywhere we go, you are with us, and Father, that you want to use us for the good and glory of your kingdom and the world around us. Lord, I pray that as we open up your word today, that you will speak forth through me, that it will be nothing of me involved except that which you have ordained specifically for this purpose. And that you will breathe new life and transform us. That as we leave here today, we are prepared to work around the, the, the lives that you've put us in. To work around our workplace. To work around uh, uh, every scenario in life for the purpose and the glory of your kingdom. That we will put every foot forward to seeing your kingdom glorified your name known above all else and before all men. B'shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua our Messiah we pray. And everyone says, Amen and Amen. So this week we're in Parsha to Ramah, as we said earlier, um, and uh, that begins with, Je- with Genesis, Exodus chapter 25, verse 1, uh, and it goes through uh, most of chapter 27. Um, it is a very interesting and very detailed Parsha. As we look at the Parsha, we notice that uh, we serve a God who is very finite in detail, right? He doesn't go, hey, I want you to build a cabinet that you're going to put some stuff in. Just figure it out as you go. It'll work out okay. Whatever. I trust you. I got this. No, he says, hey, I have this idea. I have this perfect design. I want you to follow this perfect design, and then I will move after that to put in it what is needed so that it will serve its purpose. Um, and it's really interesting the way that this part should begin. So if you have your scriptures, open up to Exodus 25, beginning with verse 1. Exodus 25, verse 1 says, Adonai spoke to Moses saying, Tell B'nai Israel, tell the children of Israel to take up an offering from me. From anyone whose heart compels him, you are to take up my offering. Verse 8, have them make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. You are to make, all, make it all precisely according to everything that I show you and the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of the furnishings within just so you must make it. Um, if you pay attention to uh, the totality of the Torah, what we realize is, is that God's not simply like handing Moses blueprints, right? Moses doesn't climb up the mountain and God says, hey, dude, I got this awesome idea. Here's this. I had this, uh, this carpentry project that I was going to get to eventually, but you know, I think you're the right dude for it. You can make this happen. Here's these blueprints. Make it happen. Let's see what comes of it, right? No, instead, what the Torah tells us is that God tells Moses to build the tabernacle, to build this tent according to everything that Moses sees in the presence of God. Moses, as he goes up the mountain and is in the presence of God, is encountering the reality of heaven itself. And what he is seeing is the heavenlies, and in particular, the heavenly tabernacle. When we recognize that in the tabernacle here on earth, which is this temporary dwelling place for the presence of God, and the tabernacle here on earth uh, in the Holy of Holies was the Aron HaGrit, the Ark of the Covenant. Upon it was the mercy seat, and upon the mercy seat dwelt the presence of God in this cloud of the Shekhinah, the glory of God. 
And so if the presence of God resided on the throne in the earthly tabernacle and Moses was commanded to make the earthly tabernacle point for point exactly as he saw of the heavenly tabernacle, then it's safe to assume that the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat and the Holy of Holies and the heavenlies is the throne room of God. And so what we see here is that the Lord has prescribed this very particular way in which he wants things done. And so if we look at the Parsha itself, the name of this Parsha is Teramah, which we've already said. And that word Teramah literally means the contributions, the portions, the gift, or a free will offering. The Parsha is the beginning of the description of how the Mishkan Kodesh, or the holy tabernacle, literally the holy dwelling for God's presence, is to be built. The word Mishkan comes from a root, uh, the, the Hebrew root Shachan, which means to dwell. And from which the word Shekhinah, which we recognize as the divine glory of the presence of God, from which the word Shekhinah is derived. So the Mishkan is the temporary dwelling place here on earth for the Shekhinah, the divine glory, which is the presence of God literally dwelling among man here on earth. As we read from Exodus 25, 1 through 2, it says, uh, again, um, Adonai spoke to Moses saying, tell B'nai Israel to take up an offering for me from anyone whose heart compels him, you are to take up my offering. And why was this offering to be taken? In verse 8, have them make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. The Lord wants us to give willingly. To give, and notice he doesn't say, hey, I am commanding everyone to give this offering. He says, I only want it from the people that really want my presence dwelling in their midst. I only want it from the people that really want me. I want you to command the people of Israel that those of a willing heart will give. And if you pay attention, these are people who were what for the last hundred plus years of their experience? Slaves. Did you pay attention to the list of things here that they were to give? They, these were the contributions which you were to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet cloth, fine linen and goat hair, ram skin, dyed red, silkskin, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod and for the breastplate. These were not cheap things. These were, this was a, a nation that was birthed out of slavery that left slavery in a mad rush and God saying, hey, you remember all that stuff that you left Egypt with when your neighbors handed over their wealth to you? I want you to take that stuff and I want you to give it back to me out of a willing heart so that you can build a place for my presence to dwell among you. Notice that before Israel ever made it to Mount Sinai, where he would speak the Aseret that Hadi wrote, the Ten Words of the Ten Commandments, verbally, audibly to the nation of Israel. Long before he ever began to give the commands for the Mishkan itself, he had already prepared a way for Israel to give for this purpose. Like we said a few moments ago during the offering, um, the reality is, is a lot of times we get hung up on how difficult it is to give, depending on the point in time in our lives and what we have going on. And we get hung up in the difficulty of it. It's just too hard. But do any of us really have it quite as hard as a group of people that just left slavery? Who literally had nothing, relied on their slaves ma slave masters, if they were good-hearted at that particular moment to give them food, much less anything else. Could it be any harder than these people who have now left with the wealth of Egypt, who are looking at it, I, I imagine, being someone who didn't necessarily grow up with a lot of money and being someone who doesn't have a lot of money at the moment, I can imagine that if I'm sitting here with the world, the superpower of the world of the days, wealth in my hands, and I'm kind of going, <laughs> this could be a good restart, this could be a good life, you know. 
rob a bank and take off for whatever country doesn't have extradition uh, uh, clauses with America, right? This is the mindset that these, they were slaves. This is all they could think of is, hey, we're rich now. Let's go. And God says, wait, 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 wait. But all of that wasn't for anything you're thinking. It was for me to have a dwelling among you. And I want you to willingly give it back to me. Now we look at this and we wonder, how in the world is this people uh, going to really understand what God is trying to do? What is he trying to get them to recognize? What is he trying to open them up to? So if we go forward to 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Paul says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Let each one give as he has decided in his heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. How many of us, when we know it's time to give our tithe, start to fill out that check and we're like, oh, there's so much better I can do with this. <laughs> Things are a little tight right now. Uh, why are you asking this of me, God? I didn't do this anyways. Things were so much better in Egypt, I didn't have to worry. It says, let each one give as he has decided in his heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God also, uh, God is able to make all grace overflow to you so that by always having enough of everything, you may overflow in every good work. Notice that. God is able. When we're sitting here thinking, but I need this 20 bucks or 100 bucks or 200 bucks or whatever it is that you're tithing at that moment, I need this to pay this or to do that or to do this. Really what we're saying is, God, I don't think you're able. I don't think, I'm sorry if this is stepping on toes. If so, you might want to take those shoes off and get some bandages ready, all right? But the reality is, is we're telling God, I don't think you can really pull this off. So I'm going to hang on to this. I'm going to hold on to this a little bit longer. As it is written, he scattered widely. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now the one who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all generosity. Notice you won't be rich so that your bank account can look sweet. You'll be rich for all generosity. You will be rich for all generosity, which through us brings about thanksgiving to God. How? Well, us acting in that generosity is an act of thanksgiving, but those being blessed are now in an opportunity to be giving thanks to God. For this service of giving is not only supplying the needs of the Kedoshim, the Holy Ones, but is also overflowing with many thanksgivings to God. Because of the evidence of this service, they praise God for the obedience of your affirmation of the good news of Messiah and for the generosity of your contribution to them and to everyone. And in their prayer for you, they long for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his incredible gift. When we look at this Parsha, verse 8 of Exodus 25 says that uh, he wants us to give this offering. Why? Specifically, have them to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. The Midrash Tanchuma says, God desired a dwelling place in the lower realms, or in other words, among his creation. Rabbi Schnauer Zalman of Ladi says, this is what man is all about. 
This is the purpose of creation, of his creation, speaking of God's creation, of the creation of all the worlds, higher and lower, that there may be made for God a dwelling in the lower realms. In other words, a dwelling among his creation. The verse does not say this is uh, Shalom, which is Rabbi Isaiah Halevi Horror. It says, the verse does not say, and I will dwell within it, speaking of the tabernacle. It doesn't say, build the tabernacle and I will dwell within it. But instead, the verse says, and I will dwell within them. Within each and every one of them. Midrash Rabbah says, there was once a king who had an only daughter. And one of the kings came and married her. When her husband wished to return to his country, her father said to him, My daughter, whose hand I have given you, is my only child. I cannot part with her. Neither can I say to you, Do not take her, for she is your wife. This one favor, however, I ask of you. Wherever you go to live, prepare a chamber for me, that I may dwell with you. For I cannot leave my daughter. In the same way God said to Israel, I have given the Torah. I cannot part with her. And I also cannot tell you not to take her. But this I request of you, wherever you go, make for me a house wherein I may dwell. Notice that this parsha begins with the call for us to give of a willing heart. And then it follows that up with a call to give for a willing, with, from a willing heart specifically to build a dwelling place for the presence of God. Remember, we go all the way back to creation. We were created for the distinct and sole purpose of dwelling in the presence of God. Ultimately, we will be restored again to the distinct and, and unique purpose of dwelling in the presence of God. But sometime after creation, we chose willingly to sin. The presence of God cannot dwell in the midst of sin. Or more specifically, in terms of the garden, sin cannot dwell in the midst of the presence of God. And so we had to be removed from the presence of God. And if I were God, I would just go, done. <laughs> no more. I'm not, I, there's no point to this. I'm done. But we served a God who knew far before he ever spoke creation to existence the actions that you and I would have. He knew before he ever spoke creation, the first word of creation to existence, that you and I were going to turn our backs on him. And yet he created us anyways for the distinct purpose of placing his dwelling among us. We were built to be, we were created to be dwelling in him. And instead he now, because of our sin, we cannot dwell in him, but he wants to dwell in us. He wants to dwell within us. And so the tabernacle was built. And here's the beauty of the tabernacle itself, right? We go to uh, verse 22. I will meet with you here, speaking of the tabernacle, I will speak with you from above the atonement cover, from between the two cherubim uh, that are on the Ark of the Testament about all that I will command you for B'nai Israel. And we go forward. This is not this week's Parsha. It's next week's. But we go forward a little bit. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 29, verse 44 says, So I will sanctify the tent of meeting. Speaking of the Mishkan, I will sanctify the tent of meeting and the altar. I will also sanctify Aaron and his sons to minister to me as Kohanim, as priests. So I will dwell among B'nai Israel and be their God. Then they will know that I am Adonai their God who brought them forth out of the land of Egypt so that I may live among them. I am Adonai their God. So we willingly, of a willing heart, chose to sin and be removed from the presence of God. And he, of a willing heart, chose to call us back unto himself so that he could place his dwelling place among us so that we could ultimately be restored back to him to be able to reside back in his presence again when we get to the Alam 
to the world to come to heaven itself. Everything that was done was done for the purpose of reuniting us with the presence of God. We willingly chose to sin, and each and every one of us, if we're honest about it, and and honestly, if we're not honest about it, (laughs) we still are, are guilty of sinning. Odds are, every single one of us have sinned in one way or another just getting to synagogue this morning, right? John drives from uh, Ocean Springs. I'm pretty sure that John didn't have the best of attitudes when somebody may have cut him off this morning. No doubt about it, because I'm pretty sure that on my way here, somebody probably cut me off, and I didn't have the best of attitudes about it. Every single one of us have in some way or another chosen to sin just this morning, and we may not even recognize it. So when the Lord calls of us, to willingly choose to give back to him to make a dwelling place for his presence among us. How much more readily willing should we be than we were just to sin? If you look throughout the Torah, throughout the Tanakh, the, the Torah, the Nevi'im, the prophets, the Ketuvim, the writings, throughout the, what's called the, the Old Testament or the Jewish Bible, you look throughout the Brich HaDashah, the New Covenant writings, the New Testament, we see a overarching streamlined theme over and over and over and over again throughout the word of God. And this theme is that God is calling us to be a dwelling place for his presence. John 1, the word was made flesh and the word came and tabernacled amongst us, right? John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through Him, and apart from Him, nothing was made that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us and dwelled amongst us. We looked upon His glory, the glory of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. We go back to Zechariah 2, verse 14. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I am coming and I will live among you. It is a declaration of Adonai. In that day, many nations will join themselves to Adonai and they will be my people and I will dwell among you. Then you will know that Adonai, Zebaot, has sent me to you. Adonai will inherit Judah as his, his portion in the holy land and will once again choose Jerusalem. Be silent before Adonai all flesh, for he has aroused himself from his holy dwelling. We see over and over and over and over again throughout the scriptures that the Lord has called us to recognize that we are to be a mishkan, a tabernacle, a temporary dwelling place in which his presence resides. His people as a whole and individually as people. We are to be his dwelling place. So you got to understand, as I said at the very beginning of the message, Moses is commanded to build this tabernacle, or rather to have this tabernacle built. He is commanded to build this tabernacle modeled after the heavenly tabernacle that he sees in the presence of God. Which tells us that God wanted always a temporary dwelling place for his presence among man. Something that, if you pay attention to the Torah, means that whenever God wanted us to move... He picked up and went with us. Whenever Israel was wandering through the wilderness, they camped wherever they were for as long as it was. Sometimes it was days, sometimes it was weeks, sometimes it was years. They camped there for however long it was before the presence of God lifted, telling them to move on again. But then we come to David. Melech David, King David, who's a man that's often worded throughout Scripture as a man after God's own heart who cries out to the Lord and says, I have this grand palace that I live in. 
And here you are, the God of all creation, living in a tent. Let me build a palace for you, something permanent, something beautiful, something ornate, something extravagant that the world will remember. And God says, I don't want that. Because that's what all the false gods have. That's what all the idols have. I want a tabernacle. Why? Because when Israel journeyed, when they went into war, wherever they went, the presence of God went with them. God tells David, no, no, you can't build it. Now, there's sin in David's life. There's reasons why David couldn't build it. But ultimately, he allows for Solomon to build it. Notice God never says, okay, I want Solomon to build it. He allows for Solomon to build it. Solomon builds the temple. Now, don't get me wrong. There is absolutely a prophetic relevance and purpose even today for the temple in Jerusalem. No doubt about it. Do not take me wrong on this. But it was never God's desire for us to build a permanent dwelling place for his presence. It was his desire to have a temporary dwelling place because the tabernacle, the Mishkan, was a prophetic foreshadowing of you and I. And it was an identical replica of the tabernacle in heaven. What we ended up doing when we built a permanent dwelling place was every time we went off to war, every time we went on a journey, we said, hey, God, we'll see you when we get back. We'll catch up with you when we come back to Jerusalem. No, 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 I know, I know, you wanted to come with us and you commanded us that whenever we went, we took the ark with us and it led us along, but you just, you hang out here, we got this, we'll come back, we'll come back to you. And as we say every week in our Torah procession, we never want to turn our back on the presence of God, on the word of God, on the reality of who God is. And yet every time once the temple was built in Jerusalem, we left, that's exactly what we did symbolically it's exactly what we did now obviously there are prophetic purposes to the tabernacle or to the temple rather no doubt about it but i believe that when the new heaven and new jerusalem descend upon the earth it won't be some ornate herodian temple that descends i believe it'll be the tabernacle that moses saw that will descend upon earth there's something beautiful about the alignment of the holy of holies and the tabernacle in heaven with the holy of holies and the tabernacle on earth and the reality of the presence of God coming down among us. There's something beautiful about that. And the reality is, is God has called us to willingly give to be a part of that. For some of us, actually for all of us, that's a financial reality. But it's not just finance, it's, it's time, it's talent, it's gifts, it's resources. That God has called of us to willingly, everything he has provided for us, everything he has given to us, we are to be willing to give it to him for him to make a dwelling place among his people. Why is that so important? Because the reality is, is you and I, we can only do so much physically, individually, and corporately as a community. But when we give into the building of the presence of God within his people, when we give to the congregation, the congregation is then able to give out to grander, greater ministries all over the world. We've got at least six Messianic Jewish ministries scattered around the globe, all that have a distinct and different purpose. And there's even more than that. We've just chosen these six because we have a very uh, uh, deep connection and relationship with them. But there we have six ministries, Messianic Jewish ministries scattered around the world that do different ministry works in different areas of the world, uh, whether it's to young people or it's to lone soldiers or it's to uh, 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 Israelis traveling through India or it's Eastern Europe and Holocaust survivors or um, uh, uh, 
healing and, and, and wholeness, deliverance kind of ministry, whatever it may be, we give into these various ministries that are able to do what we do here on a local level, they're able to do on an international level that we can't do on our own. But because we as individuals feed into the congregation, just as God called the nation of Israel to feed into the congregational work of building the dwelling place of the Lord, we as individuals have the opportunity and the exact same calling to give of our time, our talents, our resources to see the dwelling place of the Lord built not just in our lives, not just in our congregation, but in every community of the world over. Obviously, each and every one of us can't physically be a part of doing that in a literal sense. But when we give of our resources, we are able to be a part of that in a literal sense. We are able to see the work of God expand and his presence dwell among his people, within his people. Because we recognize that what God intended, the, the, the image, the foreshadowing, the prophetic revelation of the tabernacle, in it being the dwelling place where the presence of God here on earth was a prophetic revelation of what God was going to do through Yeshua and the presence of Yeshua in our lives. The presence of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, which is the comforter that would come in our lives so that we can wander about and be able to see the presence of God in us impact the lives of others. And we have a beautiful opportunity all the time throughout our lives to be a part of that. John 14 Verse 15 says, if you love me, you will obey, you will keep or you will obey my commands. I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. Speaking of the Ruach HaKodesh, Holy Spirit, so he may be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. You know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. In a little while, the world will no longer behold me, but you will behold me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. Verse 23, Yeshua answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling within him. He, will, he who does not love me does not keep my word and the word you hear is not mine, but the fathers who sent me these things I have spoken to you while dwelling with you. But the, the helper, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, from uh, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I said to you. Revelation 21, verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I also heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling of God is among men. And he shall tabernacle among them. He shall mishkan among them. They will be his people and God himself will be among them and be their God. He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more, nor shall there be mourning or crying or pain any longer. For the former things have passed away, and the one seated upon the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Then he said, Write for these words, uh, write, for these words are trustworthy 
and true. We go back to the beginning of this Parsha. 25 verse 1, Exodus chapter 25 verse 1. And I said to Moses, saying, Tell B'nai Israel to take up an offering for me. From anyone whose heart compels him, you are to take my offering. Have them make, verse 8, have them make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. As we said, talking about the offering earlier, first there is obedience. And then there is blessing. The Lord says, take up an offering from those that are willing and out of obedience, they willingly gave. And through their obedience, they were blessed with the presence of God dwelling among them in a very literal sense. You and I, through giving of our time, our talents, our resources, and yes, I understand that there is no tabernacle standing today. I understand there is no temple standing today. I understand that in a very literal sense, there are aspects of the Torah we cannot wholeheartedly keep today but yet we see over and over and over again throughout Scripture that the command for tithe and offering still stands. Why? Because it is through that that we are able to build over and over and over again replicating a dwelling place for the presence of God in a very spiritual and physical sense because we can impact lives of so many people, not just within the work of our congregation, our community, but in a greater sense, those around the world. And just as... Paul in in 2 Corinthians was talking about taking an offering to take back to Jerusalem. We do the same thing. We give to ministries at work in Jerusalem and in Israel as a whole every single month. This is a very real reality of who we are. And we all have the opportunity to be willing contributors in giving of what God has blessed us with, not just our finances, not just our resources, but of our time and our talent as well. Every aspect of who we are was given to us by God for the purpose of his presence dwelling in us so that we can willingly give back unto him to create a dwelling place for his presence here on earth. We are called to be generous givers above and beyond anything we could imagine because the reality is it's not us being generous. It was God being generous and giving it to us. And a few chapters down the line, we'll read about how the, uh, uh, the, the, the men building the tabernacle approach Moses eventually and go, dude, they're giving too much. They're giving too Tell them to stop. We have more than we can handle. And we're, we, we, we just don't, we're, we're, there's too much. We've got too much to deal with, too much to handle. Just tell them to stop. We have got plenty. <laughs> May it be our case here. Tell them to stop, it's too much. No, never mind, just keep it going. No. <laughs> look, look, there are other ministries that depend on us, so we've got to keep it going out, right? But the reality is, is eventually they were so willing of heart to give unto the Lord, so willing of heart to give unto the Lord, that they gave and gave and gave people that were slaves a few weeks back are taking of what little they had that really wasn't theirs it was given to them by God from the Egyptians, and they're willingly handing it over to the Lord. And saying, here, I want you to dwell in my midst. How much more so should we, even with all of our first world problems, be willing to give unto the Lord of our time, our talents, our resources to see a dwelling place for the God of all creation among his creation. Amen. Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, we thank you that you are a God who provides for every need that you are a God who knows every need more than we could ever imagine. 
that, Father, what you deem a need that needs to be provided for may not be what we think it is. It isn't necessarily the new car or the new house or the new this or that or the other. But, Father, you give that we may give freely and generously back. You provide that we may be nourished so that we can give freely back into you so that your dwelling place can be within us and within mankind as a whole, within all of your creation. Father, encourage us to to give willingly, to give generously of our time, our talent, and our resources. Father, just as we read about in the Torah with the building of the tabernacle, as we see literally time, talent, resources being given so that the building of the tabernacle and your temporary dwelling place among your people may exist. Father, encourage us to give, to give back to you fervently and with a willing and joyful heart, giving generously as a gift of your spirit, giving back unto you. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says,